From the Bent Pixel Studios in, oh, you know what? Let me, I'm sorry. Um, let me let you, let's just get right into it, and let me let you bring up the topic. Okay. Just be like, you know, what's with this trade talk? I mean, I know we don't know much about it, but you be the launching pad for setting up the story. Cool? Okay, here we go. Uh, th- uh, phone booth fighting episode 219 in three, two, one. From the Bent Pixel Studios in Las Vegas, Nevada, this is Phone Booth Fighting, a free weekly podcast covering the world of mixed martial arts and oftentimes beyond with myself, Richard Hunter, and that guy. I'm Frank Mayer. The two-time UFC heavyweight champion. Good thing he's here because uh, we need to podcast and try to make some sense out of a major uh, MMA story that uh, came down today, Frank. You're talking about the trade? The trade I, what, the, the trade it must be known as from now on the well, trade yeah because it's positive if it happens it's going to be the only one uh, this is something that happens in other sports and team sports well, what are you know, talking I think about you could pick up pace in the future but sure i don't think anybody of uh demetrius johnson's credentials will ever be traded again all right set up the story for well we saw that out there that they had released information this morning uh that uh demetrius johnson's contract that's under the ufc their longest reigning uh, champion, the, the first champion at featherweight. Uh, flyweight. Flyweight, yeah. sorry. And so uh, the guy who set you know countless amount of records, right? Uh, after his first loss now, title defense, split decision, yeah, he's possibly being traded to 1FC uh, for uh, Ben Askren, who I, okay. I thought was retired. Let me stop you right there. All right, Ben Askren is uh, actually one FC's. Uh, he is their their welterweight champion. Now, before we get any further into this, I'm going to have to play dumb MMA guy for a second. I mean, I know the answer to the questions I'm about to ask, but I'm I'm telling you, there are some casual MMA fans out there who need these questions answered. So, first question, Frank, what is one? <laughs> It's actually probably one of the largest promotions in the world because yeah. they're uh, predominantly there in China and they do the whole uh, Asian area. Yeah. Um, so like China, Philippines, uh, all the way through. Mm-hmm. And question number two, again, for the mo- more casual <laughs> MMA fans, who's, who's be. Ben Askren? <laughs> I mean, it's a fair question. Yeah, totally. Uh, well, Ben Askren was a multiple national champion wrestler yeah. out of Great Missouri. Wrestler. Phenomenal wrestler. Just kind of invented his own style, funky wrestling. Mm-hmm. Defensively, when people would shoot on him, he'd grab their leg and, and throw it over yep. the top, go between their leg, all kinds of crazy shit that looked really unorthodox, but he really put it to work for him well. And so um, he then transferred over to had an MMA career. Uh, I in think Bellator. It, Bellator. Was their welterweight champion. Undefeated. Mm-hmm. Still undefeated. Still undefeated. Then when his contract was up, he went and signed with 1FC, mm-hmm. became their champion. And, and l- let me let me say at that time, the UFC – expressed no interest in him none yeah bellator let him go as their champion as a free agent ufc didn't come to terms with the deal with him and he went to one went to one okay dominant champion there also still unbeaten and then i think he basically at that point retires uh here in the last couple months uh, i think he, what, about a year now almost when did he uh, see i did not 
know that he was. I, I did not. I thought he retired. Know I, I that he was he officially it. retired. Yeah, maybe it wasn't official. Yeah, he still holds her title. He's got uh, one's welterweight title right. currently. Now the thing is, listen that that is no slight on Ben Askren. I mean, he is he's a great fighter. It has been talked uh, about for a long time that what could what would he do if he were fighting top tier talent in the UFC. I would have loved to have seen him in the UFC a long time ago. But again, I'm not casual MMA fan guy. I'm a guy who liked watching Ben Askren fight in Bellator. But let me tell you something. It's not the most uh, fan-friendly style when it comes to, you know, for the people that, that want to see the, the, the blood wars and, and some two people just stand up and slug it out. That's not how Ben Askren does it. That probably has something to do with the fact that uh, the UFC did not have a lot of interest in him back when he became a free agent with Bellator. Um, you know, maybe if, if people remember the, the UFC run of John Fitch, there's some comparisons there. There's a guy who uh, was largely unbeatable during his welterweight run in the UFC, uh, eventually was, uh, was defeated by George St. Pierre, but still a guy who I think the UFC really was not looking forward to giving that title shot to. I'll give you another example, Damian Maya. A guy, not with wrestling, but with jiu-jitsu, a guy who had a style that eventually, yeah, he, 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 he could not be denied his title shot, but they weren't super excited to give it to him. Okay, that's the backstory on Ben Askren. Now, I'm not, if you're just talking about Ben Askren as a potential free agent to the UFC, uh, I'm interested in that. I'd like to see that. And, and if they did sign him, even though that name is not going to mean a lot to the casual fan, I still would get why they were doing it. Because who knows? Maybe he comes over well, here. Maybe he catches fire. And there was talk there for a while that, I mean, I think that Ben Askren probably had the title of the probably the, the highest ranked or highly highest, what's the word I'm trying to Toutest. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Hi, uh, most highly, highly touted. touted. Yeah, most highly touted. You danced around. Uh, you, 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 yeah, you had them all shit. in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Enough to you understood what I was trying yeah. to say. Uh, I speak. I speak Frank Mir. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And so um, that was kind of a moniker that he always had. Was one of the best that was outside of like unsigned sure. by UFC talent as far as could possibly fight for a title in the UFC right then and there. Like Fedor, except without the legend of Fedor. Right. You know, I mean, similar in the sense of spent his whole life outside of the UFC. What would it have been like if he ever fought in the UFC? But. Fedor had the legend of Fedor. Ben Askren doesn't have that. And again, I mean, I, I I started out being ironic in our conversation. That's that was not intended to put down Ben Askren. It's just saying that I would be not being honest with you if I told you that out of our listeners, I mean, a lot of them sure going to know Ben Askren, but there's going to be some who are MMA fans that watch UFC and and even watch all the Bellators and things like that. That once you're getting down into into PFL and and one as big as they are globally, ACB. You know, I mean, they're just no, you're not going to know. Hardcore yeah, fan of you know just some not, of those names. Not going to um, know all the names. Okay, so so that's just the signing of Ben Ask. But it would still make sense to me the UFC wanted to sign top tier talent. Now the trade. Now the where and how in the world does Demetrius Johnson come into this? Well, I guess that maybe because. I don't know. One FC sees him as a huge value, and the UFC does not. Oh, I get why one would want him. But the I, okay. Well, I guess at the end of the day, regardless of how many titles you win, I mean, 
I say it, but then sometimes I forget it. I mean, once again, the combat entertainment world is entertainment. So regardless of how good, you know, Demetrius Johnson is and, you know, arguably one of the best in the world to ever do it, um, his pay-per-view sales are not stellar. Okay. And so I guess that's just... I don't know. Okay, so I mean, I the purest of a fighter doesn't agree with it in me, but I can kind of, I guess, see from the angle of a businessman, there would rather keep CM Punk than keep Demetrius Johnson. I mean, and and that's hard for me to rationale that. Yeah, because to me, I'm like, well, wait a minute, hold on. But then I realize, well, at the end of the day, to keep the lights on, they're worried about buys. Okay, at this point, and, and I'm not being ironic at this point, once you're factoring in this trade talk with Demetrius Johnson, even even as unprecedented as a trade would be, it's not even so much that they're talking about a, doing a trade. It's the fact that the trade involves Demetrius Johnson. This is the part that I don't get, because let's talk about the facts that we could stipulate to, okay? A couple of them you've already pointed out. Number one, DJ has always struggled with pay-per-view buys uh, in relative comparison to other champions and headlining pay-per-views. Fair. That, that's a fact. That's fair. The numbers back that up. Um, number two, DJ, I believe, just signed a new contract with the UFC because he's managed by Malky now, your, your manager, yep. uh, first-round management, and I, I believe a new deal was done. So uh, I'm sure that comes with a price tag. You know, I'm sure he's, he's getting – Paid, Malky probably negotiated a real good deal for him. Okay, so there's big money on the table with him. But in terms of trading him, you've or letting him, let's just say letting him go in any stretch of the imagination, you've got a guy who, like you said, has as long as he's been champion all those years, just lost one fight to Henry Cejudo, a split decision. Some people felt like he didn't even lose it. You, you among them. Uh, he had beat Cejudo before. There's an absolute interest, and rightfully so, in seeing DJ fight Cejudo again. Why wouldn't you? I mean, the trilogies in this still pretty young sport are so rare at this point, and most of them are are greatness. You know, like uh, I don't know, Maynard and Edgar always yeah. comes to mind. I That's mean, the best one. yeah, I think a lot of, but but there's several of them, and I think a lot of people would would want to to see that okay so the idea that you're not only giving away or letting go of dj but that you're also letting go of that potential trilogy fight which as hard of a time as you've had marketing flyweight title fights i don't think you're going to have as hard of a time marketing that one no definitely an opportunity to hit on that but i guess they sit there and look at the long run you know, I mean, DJ is still relatively young. Mm-hmm. He's not aged out. I don't think anybody's even talking about retirement. He's super healthy. He, he relatively, uh, you know, t- takes care of himself uh, very well. Relatively injury-free as far as I'm aware of. I mean, yeah. I know he had a knee injury there in the past, but for the most part, you know, chronically injured is not a term or a phrase I think of when I think of Demetrius. Yeah. So you have a guy who could potentially go back and, and, and win and, and then hold the title ransom again for a while and, and maybe clean the division once more. They just don't want to see that happen. You know, the, the payoff for the one fight with Cejudo for the trilogy, somehow they're obviously uh, their thinking department put it together going, that's nah, not worth it in the long run. Okay. There, there's, there's still only two... I, in my mind, as I was going over it, two possible explanations for this. 
one, and you know, I don't know how much money they're saving by letting go of of DJ. I assume it would be a net gain if they. I mean, Askren can't be making DJ's money. I, I wouldn't think. Well, well I mean, maybe he can. I, maybe he is. I don't know. But well, I don't know. The little bit of dealings I have with One FC, um, I know they pay extremely well. Okay. I mean, uh, I have friends that kickbox on the, the, yeah. the promotion and are getting like ten and ten. Okay. For kickboxing, right, right. that's pretty incredible. All right. Well, maybe. I mean, that, that that was just the one thing that came to mind. Was all right. Maybe they just signed a big deal, and now they're in the you know looking to save some money. Which again, in the old days of the UFC, I think one of the things that when the sale happened, um, one of the things that that it kind of hurt the most was the career guys, the legacy guys, guys that you could pay on the back end and be able to claim them UFC lifers, like the guys who had the vice president's jobs, you know, like Chuck and, and all those guys, but also uh, also fighters. I mean, hell, you're like you. I mean, I, I would look at, and I'm not just saying that because you're sitting here. I mean, I would, in the old days of the UFC, the old guard, the old ownership, they would, I think they would look at it and go, okay, well, you know, I mean, uh, uh, this fighter who is a legendary name with the UFC, Matt Hughes, you know, one of these kind of guys, yeah, we could let him go now, not pay him another dime. He could probably go fight another couple of fights for a couple of years and, you know, in another organization. Or we could pay him, I would say overpay him, but, but probably yeah, I mean, maybe overpay him by a little bit just to keep him here until he naturally ages out of fighter age, and then he is UFC for life. He was never seen in another promotion. There was a value to that, I yeah. think. And I think there would be a value in having DJ, who, if if he, if he never fought again, he's considered one of the greatest, if not the greatest, mixed martial artist of all time. He's right there in the conversation, you yeah. know, top three. I mean, you're, you, you're not going to be able to get him much lower than that. And just the idea that you would, you would want him forever associated with your promotion. UFC means greatest MMA fighter of all time. You know, I mean, same with John Jones. For as much trouble as John has had, at least the UFC can't look at it and go, well, he's, you know, now he's going to go fight outside the organization and have a highlight reel with other organizations. So I'm, I'm just... I'm really confused by why they would want to do it unless – and that that's what I'm saying, why the UFC would want to do it. I get why one wants oh, yeah, to do totally it. Oh, yeah, I totally understand what one from. I don't see the UFC's motivation. Let me just throw this other thought out there, and then you react to this. Maybe there's a chance that Demetrius Johnson wants this because his trainer, Matt Hume, is also the matchmaker over at one. So I'm sure Matt has told him good things about one – uh, I know DJ has at times, although he's pretty much been a company guy his whole career, but I know at times he's felt like he was overlooked yeah. by the UFC. Now, if it's something he wants, maybe it's different. You think that's possible at this point? I just don't know how that conversation starts. Hey, I want to go to 1FC. Can you find someone over there to trade my contract with? Like, how's that even his idea to begin with? Well, maybe it's not his idea to begin with, but maybe he likes the idea is what I'm saying. Maybe yeah. maybe he's not offering any resistance. But, I mean, we we, we know him a little bit. I mean, you, you, you know him pretty well at this point. You right. guys – I mean, it just seems like he's such a competitor that 
I would see him wanting to get right back in there with Cejudo. I see that too. That's why I don't really think it's his idea. Yeah. Why don't you think he likes the idea? Leaving on a loss like that after the legacy that he's left and then against Cejudo on such a very close split decision regardless of which way you thought it went. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just don't think. And, and then, I mean, for the, I guess the UFC's part, they're signing a welterweight that they probably think could beat Woodley because I know they're not high on Tyrone either. <laughs> okay. <guy>. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the figure and they could knock out two, you know, two guys with one move. But if that's the case, though, they're, they're, they would – if Askren did that, like I said, he's a guy who – and, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, with wrestling nuances, I don't know if it's a, that fair of a comparison to, to compare him to John Fitch. But, I mean, just in broad strokes. Yeah. And, listen, I'm somebody who didn't mind I, – I didn't mind watching John Fitch wrestle. And, and fight. I don't mind watching these specialists do what they do because that's not every fight. You know, it's it's one fight on a on a, 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 a usually a very diverse card. But I we know what the reaction was when Fitch was a perennial welterweight contender, and that just seems like an odd choice. Yeah, okay, maybe they they throw Askren in the mix and he ends up taking the title. But to what end? Are they super excited at that point that they've got WrestleFest? To be the the welterweight attraction headlining pay per views? I don't know. I don't. I mean, I think you're going to have to work. If the here's the thing, for as much as you the UFC can say, uh, you know, they had trouble building DJ and marketing him and all that. I think it's a net loss. No, no, no offense to Ben Askren. I'm just saying he's been over there and won for quite a while. Hadn't even been on the Bellator stage for 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 quite a quite a time now. I think they're going to have to – I think it's a step backward, in a net loss in terms of, of, of marketing equity, how, such as it is that they built up in Johnson. I don't even think that's an even trade. I think at this point if you switch out DJ's profile and you put in Ben Askren, I think you're actually now taking some steps backwards in terms of marketability just for the fact that the average UFC fan – Probably ain't going to be that familiar with Ben Askren. You're going to have to teach him who this guy is, and how long are you going to have to teach? Because he is so good, what if you don't have very long to teach him who he is before he wins your title? True. But uh, maybe, again, looking at it from their point of view, they've had a reality show to try to help sell yep. Demetrius and get him out there. And, I mean, Demetrius has a great personality. He puts himself out there with, with his Twitch and, and other social media platforms. Um, for whatever reason, he just doesn't have the hookup on pay-per-views or, or attention that some other fighters, some have. But I mean, not all of them. Are, I mean, John Jones is not a barn burner of uh, pay-per-view sales. Yep, that's true. I mean, John's another guy who's arguably one of the best fighters in the world. Um, he's never sold a million hits you know right. regardless even when he had the dispute with Rashad Evans I think that was like 600,000 if I remember correctly mm -hmm. and I think his last fight with Daniel Cormier you know they hit about sevens or something mm -hmm. from what I remember mm -hmm. um, I don't remember the, you know I mean those are great strong numbers but there's guys without titles that pull numbers you know of that sort yes yeah. I mean um, some people are just entertaining to watch and people want to see them fight and uh, I don't understand why Demetrius Johnson' style doesn't seem to attract more people, because I find him very entertaining. It's high action, you know. Mm -hmm. In fact, sometimes I, I I question people why they like watching heavyweights fight. 
I'm like, that's fucking boring there. You get two mid-level heavyweights and they're fucking, looks like two polar bears fighting over a fucking Snickers. You know, it's not impressive to watch. I'm hard to press to go down even 50 level rankings down and find a, a flyweight fight that's not entertaining, you know, mm-hmm. either it's going to be a one-sided ass whooping or they're going to move. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like there's not a lot of like, well, I wish they would do something. They're going to be fast. And a lot of times they're going to be technical. Yeah. And so it's super entertaining. And Demetrius Johnson is the best in the world at that weight class at doing it. Um, so I, I don't get it. You know why the uh, malcontent that people have with him. I, I, I don't. Cause what does he do wrong? I mean, as and I'm saying this purely biased, and obviously you're biased yeah. too as his friend. But like, you know, certain fighters are like, I don't understand why people don't like me, and I'm like, well, well asshole, you don't remember when you said this or did this? <laughs> right. I get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, like like Woodley sometimes when he's like, well, I don't understand why people are criticizing my fighting. I'm like, well, well, you've said you've come out and said that you know keeping the title is first de facto important thing that you're going to do when you step inside that cage is you're going to make sure you don't lose. Well, sometimes it shows that when you're fighting that you're like, well, you're not taking any risks. You're just fighting smart. I get that. It's understandable. Your average, you know, fan that's maybe on the, you know, more on the cusp of getting into MMA, who's never taken a jujitsu class, never hit a pad in their life. They don't give a shit about safe strategy you know, tactical fighting. Mm -hmm. They want to see someone take some chances. That being said, I've seen Demetrius Johnson. I mean, that's why he has the record for, I think, the longest, the latest uh, submission in a a fight, four minutes and 59 seconds of the fifth round. I mean, talk about a guy that I think that fight he won every single round. Oh, yeah. He didn't need it. And still going for broke. He was one second away from a shutout on the scorecard. Yeah, so so there you go. So, like, again, like, I think Woodley's a great champ. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The guy is phenomenal style, you know, great boxer, good athlete, good wrestling style, very technical, capable of submissions. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, you know, stays in good control. Like, I think that if you sit there and, you know, my kids are ready to fight, I'm like, okay, this is a guy we can watch to emulate. Mm -hmm. But when you make statements like, well, I'm just going to play it safe, even though you're going to do that, we all know it. I can see when fans go, well, you know, well, I, and, could and, see, I could see where yeah. there could be a little bit of backlash. So, yes, but, and. Uh, but I can't find even one instant that I can think of Demetrius Johnson yeah. really offering fans to go, yeah, that's not my guy. I'm just not into him. Well, I'll, like, tell, why? You, I'll tell you what DJ did that was, was right to just – tag your your uh woodley comparison just real quick there it's the fault is not in that even for me even that you're saying well you know i got i I gotta employ a safe strategy and it's then getting mad that people are asking about it because that was it was the contempt that came across yeah you're right because with dj yeah he was almost upset that you're upset Right, because you're with, questioning my game right. plan, and, and and now you don't like it. It's like, well, right. you can do it and keep the title, but then it's their right if they don't like to watch to it. Say you somebody didn't I mean? enjoy it because with DJ, what he would always do, and and he got the question so many times, is he would just say, "Hey, you know, I'm a technical guy. I'm I'm doing what my coach tells me. I'm always looking for opportunity." I mean, he he never let that. And if he had, I'm sure he had private moments where that was frustrating, uh-huh. but he didn't. He he was genuine. He he kept he was real to himself, but at the same time, he wasn't mad at you because you thought differently. Yeah. Then he one did. more reason to like the guy. Yeah. So I don't I don't get any of that. I I guess 
the overview here, and just without having any inside knowledge, maybe there's something that I'm not thinking of that if I were privy to the discussions, I would be like, oh, well, I didn't know that. That changes everything. But without something like that, I just don't get I guess I don't get the trade of the two people that are involved. If you if one FC had a guy, and just I'm trying to think of an example. I mean, maybe like maybe like Bellator has Fedor. So let's say Fedor goes on, he wins a heavyweight title, and even though he's an older fighter now, it's the legend of Fedor. Yeah. He's never been to the UFC. It would be a huge value to the UFC to get him. And the and Bellator says, "Well, oh, sorry, we got him locked down. He's under contract." I could see the UFC going to them and going, hey, how about we give you something really valuable? How about we give you either one of our active champions or somebody like DJ, a bunch of all, you know, guy who has a bunch of all time records that yeah. just lost his title? I get having him in that conversation. But what you're saying is that what they're leveraging for an Oscar. Yeah, it's just, like a weird well, push. The only thing I can think or, of, too, is I feel less than a push. That one area that Bellator is kicking the shit out of of ufc is the international aspect okay i think they're really embracing shows all over the world yeah more so than the ufc is they're in italy and yeah the ufc you know israel they're they're doing the russia ones you know so they're still trying to make those pushes yeah i mean think about it they visit england you know once a year maybe sometimes twice i mean that was when they had a, a middleweight champion that was from yeah from that area you know and so you know, now you sit there. You go, well, you know, what about f- having a fight in New Zealand or Australia, where you have champions to represent now certain areas, and they don't push. So I think that as businessmen, I think they realize that, like, well, shit, look what Bellator is doing by, you know, they're doing what we did a couple years ago, really having shows as many different places as possible because mm-hmm. it creates new fan base. You know, it's one thing to tell a guy, hey, this weekend spend fifty, sixty, seventy dollars on a pay per view. Um, and something you're not interested in. But it's another thing if you're like, oh, UFC's in town this weekend or Bellator's in town or mm-hmm. whoever, and it's a big show, it's like, oh, well, shit, I might buy tickets and go see it. Mm-hmm. And then once you do, like, it's a little bit easier of a sell, and I, those people become fans. And I think that's the whole, you know, one of the main reasons for having shows abroad and in different areas is you cultivate a fan base that's mm-hmm. more diehard by you actually being there and, and, and boots on the ground doing media work, bringing fighters in and doing show. I think it enhances that area. Well, if they're going to move into China more, which I think that they're trying to do, you know, they're, they're sending more guys that I, I know of that I'm friends with are going to have to start working over there. Yeah. So, if you got to think, they're like, well, one FC, you want to be more popular in the U.S. We'll hear, we'll give you a, you know, a, a very popular, you know, I think he's a very popular champion, mm-hmm. but obviously someone more recognizable than Askren in the U.S. And then on the flip side, Askren, even though he is, a, you know, a U.S. born, you know, citizen, because of his dominance that he had in the one FC, he's already has a foothold of marketing and, and credentials in that area. Mm-hmm. So if we were to have more shows over there, or the UFC were to. You already kind of have the marketing you can piggyback off of when okay. FC's done. Okay. Just like if one FC wants to have a show in the U.S., yeah. Now they have Demetrius Johnson. All right. Yeah, I mean maybe there's credit due to to Ben Askren there. I see what you're saying. Like maybe I'm looking at it from a domestic perspective. Yeah, domestically, and, no. You're right. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. But I think if we look at the broader picture of mm-hmm. international, and especially look over at China, mm-hmm. you know, I think that one FC is very popular there, mm-hmm. and so I think that he would be an asset in that 
region. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here, and, unless we yeah. go to the Midwest and in a very wrestling heavy community, yeah. you know, if we have a show in Iowa, fucking put Ben Askren on there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like all everybody there is going to know who he is, even though he wrestled for Missouri. Yeah. They're all aware of who he is. You go somewhere where it's diehard wrestling country, you know, you could sell out with Askren domestically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it well one other question about this. I mean, this is a offshoot of the conversation. But if we're about to see the the first MMA trade between two major promotions like this, is this something that could have happened at any point anyway? Now, I'm going off of uh, – there's been various reporting on this. I was looking at what John Morgan had to say with MMA Junkie. And the way his story worded it, it was that the organizations would release the fighters, the two fighters, from their current contracts, and they would be free to sign with the other organization. Now, I assume that if that deal was done, they say, okay, you're released from your deal, but – with the provision that you're signing with the other organization. I don't think you could just be a wild card and run off and sign with somebody else, Bellator or something like that. It seems like that's something they would have guarded against. With a certain statute of limitations, because when your contract's over with, they do put that in there and it could be anywhere from two months to a year. You Mm -hmm. have a Mm non-compete to where, you know, the UFC, you know, they realize, okay, we had you for two or three years and you don't like the offer we're going to give you. Mm -hmm. You're not going to take what we've built here and run over to Bellator or, you know, to one FC without some cooling off period. So that way it's kind of an incentive to re-sign with them because you're like, well. Okay, so then my next question is, is this something that could have just happened all along and no one ever really thought about it? Like at any point when you were with the UFC, could did your contract not prevent you from just being gifted to some other organization? Well, I never thought it was possible to transfer a contract to someone else. Yeah. So I still don't know if that's legally is able to be done because the fact is that they're going to release them yeah. with provisions most likely to be re-signed. It seems like that's probably the reason why is that it's not probably legal just to trade contracts. That's the out. Yeah, I could see where it's like if you get a new owner that buys the same promotion. Right. But just this idea, because if you think about it otherwise, I mean, there's fighters who maybe sign with certain promotions for less money than somebody else was offering for reasons, yeah. you know, for for exposure or uh, yeah. something like that. Totally. Or, you know, the ceiling, you know, where you're at, you know, maybe the guy, right. you know, you're fighting is just, you know. Not the guy that you know who's holding the title. You're not going to get a fight with him because you fought him twice already with two losses. And yeah, you've beaten everybody else up, so I can see you going other places. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, you hit a certain ceiling in other areas. You know, and styles make fights. Maybe a guy stylistically is in an organization that you'll have a hard time with. You go somewhere else. Well, one way or another, just being in all this uh, uh, media coverage is helping one's uh, profile because this is the second time in a week. They also, we talked uh, uh, on our last episode, I believe it was, about one signing Eddie Alvarez. Now, Alvarez, according to ESPN, and uh, some other sources, but I believe originally he said this directly to Ariel Hawani, that one gave him an eight-figure deal. Eight figures. That's that's a multi-million-dollar deal. Well, it has to be a minimum of ten million to get eight figures, right? Is that possible? No, I don't see how that's possible. Because even if you give him, I mean. Let's say he signs a five-fight deal. Yeah. Does that mean that every one of his fights was like... Minimum $2 million, $2 million a, a fight? Like, 
uh, Eddie Alvarez? I don't know. I mean, I think that Eddie Alvarez is a great fighter, and he's accomplished a lot over when he was in Japan. Then went over to Bellator, had phenomenal fights, was a great champ there. Came over, became the champion over in UFC. Um, shit. I mean, I, he has great credentials. I just don't know if I would pay anybody that amount of money other than Conor McGregor. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, Conor sells that kind of shit. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean look at this. Look maybe at this Khabib way. or no, somebody. You know yeah, what I mean? I was like, going to say, look at it this way. Khabib made $2 million for the Conor fight, but you could not have justified that payday fighting anybody else up until this point. No. I mean, the UFC wouldn't have done that. No. They wouldn't have paid Khabib $2 million to fight Michael Johnson. No. I, I, I was stunned at that. Unless he just, you know, if you told me off the top of my head, you know, 10 figures, nine figures, whatever, I could see where I could be off a number because people well, I mean, don't necessarily think in those. But you think he would have maybe corrected it if that was a mistake. Yeah, because, I mean, it's when you use the figure conversation, most people will sit there and, Say, hey, I have a six-figure. Yeah, threshold of $100,000. Yeah, okay, then, you make more than So people go, okay, six figures means, oh, you're in the $100,000 yes. and up range. Yeah, seven figures. Oh, a million Then seven deal. figures is a number I've heard people say right. before where they go, oh, you know, no, I make seven figures. It's like, yeah. oh, you're a millionaire. Right. You make a million dollars a year. Cool. Right. I've never heard anybody use eight. I'm a, you know, yeah. And I know people that make eight and nine figures. I, I know a guy that makes nine figures. Yeah. Uh, but I never heard him say it like that. Yeah. And just for, for MMA, I mean, for fight, you know, for I would be blown away if I heard the UFC gave somebody an eight-figure deal. Again, that wasn't Conor McGregor. Yeah, because, I mean, that's what Conor has is an eight-figure deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, anyway, look, if um, – <clears throat> I mean, it's higher up. It's not the minimum of an eight-figure <clears throat> digit. Right. You know what I mean? But, I mean, not much higher. I mean, you know, what is it, 16 to guarantee or something for a fight? Could be worth an upwards of twenty. You know what I mean? Like, so I mean, by Eddie Alvarez making that statement, I mean he's talking. He's in Conor McGregor money. Yeah. And I just maybe I just don't understand the business model well enough to justify that. But I mean, Conor McGregor's Conor McGregor. I mean, the fucking guys. You know, he, he he's on. He walks across a football field, and everybody it's on every news fucking outlet. I mean, he's on the BBC. MMA was never on there yeah. before that. So I mean, Conor is a superstar. I get him, you know, like I didn't even bat an eye when they said that, first of all, when they told me Connor did sign like an eight for six or eight fight deal and, you know, the 16 million, I was shocked that he even signed for that amount. Mm -hmm. I was like, shit, you have a guy who just fought for over a hundred million dollars. Mm -hmm. You ain't coming at the guy with fucking five. Yeah. You know, so when I was like, oh, 16, oh, that's still good money, I guess, for him. If You know, there's not a Mayweather fight around every corner for him. So, mm -hmm. okay, you know. And he's probably making tons more than that on pay-per-view points yeah. and things like that. You know, so, I mean, to give that guy that amount, I'm like, oh, that's worth it. You know, I get yeah. it. You know what I mean? If I if I had an organization and we could afford that, pay him whatever the fuck you can pay him because that's yeah. the biggest seller there is. But, I mean, there goes Conor McGregor. And then, like, okay, who's number two? Fuck if I know. Hey, maybe this story will Who's all... the number two seller in pay-per-views, you think? Uh, under Conor in the UFC? No, uh, yeah, anywhere. I mean, well, I mean, all. I even, you just say fucking anybody. But but I know we also talking about current. Like we're gonna take GSP out of the conversation. People like that. No, you can, you can use anybody. Uh, well, let's see. In Did GSP is anybody else broke? The only person I ever known to break a million pay per view buys was Brock. Okay, so yeah, Brock. Uh, everybody else is a far cry underneath. Yeah. 
Rhonda's, so had, Rhonda's numbers were got to be up oh, there, yeah, that's right? True, Rhonda. Okay. Rhonda but, would have been number two. Yeah, but currently, yeah, I no, mean, there's nobody currently. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Nobody who's even came close to the mark. Yeah, and I'd be interested to find out how much, because in that fight, Connor fought uh, Eddie Alvarez. That has to be Eddie Alvarez's biggest sell because he yeah. has Connor. So unless that's the biggest sell they've ever had again with Connor. They can sit there and go, well, shit. And we know Connor's it's not. had some million dollar pay per view buys, yeah. a million hits. But when he was with Eddie. But we know it's not. It wasn't bigger than, than the Nate yeah, see, fight. And it wasn't bigger than Khabib. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know Khabib now is the record right. holder, right? Right. And so, yeah. And so Nate Diaz sold more pay per views mm-hmm. than Eddie Alvarez's fight. And that's with Connor having a belt vying for a second belt. Just make a strong argument for Eddie Alvarez. I mean, at, at that point, then if you're going to sign Eddie Alvarez for that of money, then you should sign Nate Diaz. I, you know what? I was just thinking that. I was thinking, he man, probably that's, sells more. Yeah, yeah. Although he's, I guess, not a free agent. Who knows what those guys, man? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, that's the, my thought process. Is this, yeah. You know. Yeah. No, that would definitely be a better get for him. Well, I mean, the competition's good, and hopefully, it 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 all works out. I mean, maybe maybe this is going to really launch One FC uh, if this happens. By the way, they're not even actually called One FC, are they? This this goes Isn't to called point. one. Yeah, I think it's. I think this. It somebody I saw made a uh, a comment about how Eddie Alvarez even calls them one FC in in the interviews he's doing, and they're not actually called one FC anyway. Our apologies to one. Oh, well, that's um that that was uh, you know we've we've become accustomed to pretty um. Uh, pretty out there curveballs and stuff. Uh, talking MMA, but that one today was that was a wild one. Talking about a a trade, something I didn't really see us ever really talking about when it came to to MMA. All right, you mentioned Connor and Khabib, Frank. Uh, another item of interest here in Las Vegas was the Nevada State Athletic Commission holding their hearing to decide what to do about punishments for Connor and Khabib. At this up to now, Khabib's entire two million purse was being uh, held up. They did relinquish one million dollars to him, but uh, uh, Bob Bennett, the the head of uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission, had some on the record criticism for uh, Connor and Khabib's representatives, uh, their managers. Of course, Khabib Nurmagomedov is uh, uh, managed by uh, uh, Ali Abdelaziz. And uh, Connor is managed by that guy that looks like Russell Peters. Do you know the comedian, (laughs) Russell Peters? Yeah, the Indian guy. Yeah. From Canada. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, Bennett said that uh, with both of them, he had specifically told them before the weigh-ins and the face-offs and all that, that he didn't want any trouble and he certainly didn't want them as representatives encouraging any kind of trouble. Now, we know at least in Ali's case, he didn't heed that warning because he was picked up on Mike yelling off the, you know, when the, the, the fracas happened and Dana turns to him, get out of here, Ali, don't get involved in this and all that. So I guess Bennett is holding uh, the representatives responsible as well as some of the teammates and corner men. Well, I mean, I think that the UFC is smart and just – if I was them, I mean, I think they have already. Uh, I think initially it was a lot of emotions and they were, you know, acting like they were going to be kind of on the, the, the 
more disciplinary side is kind mm-hmm. of the impression I was getting. And I thought that was a mistake. Better just to wash your hands of it and let the commissions that, you know, that's what they get paid for. Mm-hmm. They're a, a neutral party instead of dealing with your own athletes. I know uh, one of Connor's corner men was uh, one of his teammates was pulled off of a, uh, a card that he had uh, coming up with uh, uh, the UFC. And then uh, also uh, Artem. So, so uh, Artem Lobov, who was in the co-main event, by the way, of this weekend's uh, fight night card uh, taken on Michael Johnson. Uh, I saw a note that he was uh, talking about quitting the UFC in protest as well. Artem, can we, we're all in agreement that Artem Lobov is in the UFC because he's Conor McGregor's teammate, right? Do you realize his record? Now, keep in mind, he is in a co-main event this weekend, fight night card, but a co-main event against Michael Johnson, and Artem Lobov's record now is 13-14-1. Can you ever think of a sub-500 fighter with that many fights fighting in a co-main event slot? No, I mean, there are guys that have a lot of losses on their record just because they've faced a lot of competition. Yeah. You talk Mark Hunt, Randy Couture, Couture, you know what I mean? They have names. But he wasn't upside down. No. I mean, there's been a couple times Hunt's been really close to it. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think it's rare to put him, you know, he has a very fan-favorable style. Yeah, but I mean, there's no real— He's made a great name. He's a champion in kickboxing. But as far as not having titles and not being a famous person— There's not really a rationale, right? No, no. It it, it screams pretty loudly to what we all know is that, well, you know, when you're at the top of the food chain, your boys benefit from it too. It's like when people look at this podcast and they go, well, I get why Frank Mir's on it. What's with the other guy? Same deal. Uh Oh, what's happening then? (laughs) then Oh, my fight. Oh, I thought I was being replaced and we were about to break the news. Oh, okay. (laughs) That'd be a fucked up way to replace it. Good luck finding somebody who'll put up with all your shit. Yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to meet that guy. Who did that? Oh (laughs) man. It's not my story, so Uh I can't tell it, but maybe I can get the person to come on the air one time to tell it, Uh but they're explaining to me, uh, that, they had some guys that are teammates, and one of the guys, his girlfriend, while he was away for a fight, slept with one of the other fighters on the team. Oh. Right? Well, okay. So then they had a dinner with the guy and wanted to take him there, so they sat him down, and they're like, all right, what's going on? And they broke it to him that way, right? Yeah. And so uh, then about, I guess it was about a year later, one of the other guys that was at that dinner his girlfriend cheated on him while he was away for his fight. So they brought him to the same place to eat dinner again. And so he's sitting, they sat him in the same chair and they go, Hey, remember when we brought so-and-so here to tell him like, yeah, I remember that was fucked up. Huh? And then the guy sat there, you know, Oh shit. Is that why I'm here? Like, yeah, <laughs> this, that's like mafia stuff, right? That's like, Hey, I thought I was coming here to get to be a made man. Why is there no one in this garage? And all this plastic uh. is up everywhere. <laughs> Find out, you know, your girl was being dicked. <laughs> wow. All right, real quick before we uh, we wrap this one, just uh, we could talk about this more uh, next week, but uh, we should probably go ahead and get this out there because you're on your way to have a vacation, sir. Yeah. You're off to – actually, both of us. Yeah. You're off to Disneyland for Mickey's Halloween party. 
Uh, I'm going to L.A. myself, but that's to uh, hang out uh, in a cemetery all day on Saturday for uh, Dia de los Muertes and uh, do some other haunted house type things. But anyway, we're taking a few days off to go to L.A. I, I anticipate us rendezvousing at Doomies, though. We did talk about that. Ah, that is yeah. what, uh... All roads lead back to Doomies for uh, home boot fighting. Oh, me too. Well, you know, I've done a pretty good job of that. You know, I, I, I think I've eaten red meat once in the last five weeks now. Oh, yeah. 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 And then uh, mostly just fish and eggs. Yeah, well. A lot of vegetables. Well, I'm doing better about that. Carl, you know, he stayed with me for the last month. Yep. Princey. Yeah, and he was mentioning, he's all, you don't eat a lot of vegetables. Mm-hmm. You know, I eat a lot of brown rice and yeah. stuff like that, but he's like, yeah. you need to, you know, 60% of your diet. I'm all, yeah, I just don't. I eat healthy, but just yeah. I'm not big on vegetables. Well, we'll get some uh, lettuce on our burgers at Doomies yeah. for sure. So uh, anyway, that's our weekend coming up. But I just want to make sure we get this on the record before uh, it gets too late into next week. Uh, because uh, coming up weekend after this one, Daniel Cormier and Derek Lewis. I know we're picking Cormier, yeah. but let me just ask you this basic question. If Lewis can do it, how does he do it? What's his chance? He has to land a punch. I, I mean, he's not going to take Cormier down and ground and pound him. Um, I think he actually could do it with a kick. You know, early on in the fight, you know, um, Lewis is very athletic, mm-hmm. very powerful. If he just sits there and goes, screw it, I'm not going to be able to win a five-round fight against Daniel Cormier. He doesn't have the skill set that enables him to be able to do so. He's always going to be in bad position. He's always going to lose every wrestling exchange. Um, And his gas tank, I mean, it wasn't great four weeks ago. I don't think all of a sudden he's going to have a miraculous turnaround and be this Forrest Griffin cardio wonder, you know. Mm -hmm. So in in the type of fight that Cormier fights, it grinds you down. If he doesn't, you know, well, he's got some good knockout power right now back up at heavyweight. But, I mean, his grinding, his ability just, just to wear on you and break you down is what he's been known for. So I think that he just early on he's just let loose hands and legs and try to throw some kicks to the body, to the head, knowing that, you know, why not? You mm-hmm. know, you're either going to score a home run shot or you're going to lose. There's mm-hmm. really no in-between for Lewis. I mean, I, I think that, you know, again, he's extremely explosive. I mean, shit, I seen him jump from the floor, one of his warm-ups – when he was walking to the cage, he jumped up the fucking stairs. And I remember sitting there going, shit, that's a pretty good hop barefoot Mm -hmm. and leaped up like that for Mm -hmm. a guy who's 265 fucking pounds. I was like, that's an explosive human being, you know? So he has that going for him. He's extraordinarily explosive, has a good heart. I think he just needs to not hold back and be scared of being taken down because he's going to get taken down regardless. Mm -hmm. But if you just sit there and don't throw because you're afraid of being taken down and then you get taken down anyways, it's almost like that Michael Jordan quote, like you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah. So at this point, if I was him, I'd be like, look, man, no one really expects you to win this. Was that Wayne Gretzky? Was that Wayne Gretzky? I think it was Wayne Gretzky. Wow, okay, Wayne Gretzky. Fuck it. Wow, I got corrected by that. Michael Jordan's the quote, I don't piss anyone off because I want to sell shoes. Yeah, that's but his you, that's his quote business-wise. It's a lame quote. Did he never make a sports quote like that? I'm sure he has sports quotes. Yeah, so we'll say that's, Gretzky. That's you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? For. Yeah. So in that situation, same thing. I think that Lewis just needs to say fuck it and, and throw down. Yeah. Because at least there's a chance that if he lands, I mean, mm-hmm. shit, he lands on anybody. Derek Lewis hits hard. He's powerful as hell. Yeah. Big human being. If he connects on the chin, he could drop uh, Daniel Cormier. 
But that's the only way I can see him winning. I mean, I don't see him grabbing a Kimura and ripping off Cormier's arm. He's not going to sweep him from the bottom and get on top and reverse him and ground and pound him out. He's not going to out-wrestle him to death. He's not going to strategically bounce around the cage and out-point him with strikes while not being grabbed. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how else he can win besides the proverbial puncher's chance. So fucking throw some punches and kicks and see what happens. I will say this for Derek Lewis, and you know the the first thing I'm going to do is qualify it by saying no one will deplete a gas tank like Daniel Cormier. I mean, yeah. nobody can grind on you like Daniel Cormier. That that being said, I have never seen anybody look so depleted and still be so dangerous yeah. as Derek Lewis. I mean, it's amazing. The guy now you just almost expect it. When he was in yeah. his last fight, even though it was into the fourth round, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Seen him do it before. And then I love how his post-fight celebration, you know, some of these guys are do backflips off the cage. I like how his is just to flop down and look like he's going to have a heart attack. Yeah. That's his, that's his move. Well, I mean, that's just a testament to how explosive he is, that even when he's gassed out, yeah. he still has power. And that's a rare thing for guys like him. Mm-hmm. Usually you're, you know, George Foreman, Ernie Shavers of the world that just, you know, did you know that boxing reference? I did. Yeah, there you I go. do know those. I know yeah. you, you have boxing more memorized than I do. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, those guys that fucking hit like a Mack truck, yeah. usually were no. I mean, Shannon Briggs, great example, right? Mm. For four rounds, Shannon Briggs was one of the best boxers in the heavyweight division that ever lived, right? Once he goes past round six, you're pretty much safe, you mm. know? His explosion and his ability to just tear your head off with any punch diminished vastly. And so. Derek Lewis isn't like that, though. It's so fucking weird that he'll be gassed, dead tired, on the fucking throws. I mean, the fat lady's gargling, getting ready to fucking belt it out. And this motherfucker can still hit hard. Yeah. Like, that's incredible. Like, that's actually very impressive for him. But that's why I say, fuck it. Just go in there and throw. Every chance you get, just make it ugly. Throw, throw knees, elbows, punches. Just see if you can land something. Because he's big and strong enough that, I mean, fuck, that guy lands a knee to the body. might break Cormier's ribs. I mean... Mm-hmm. Might as well take those chances before Daniel grabs him because once Cormier grabs him, he's going to fuck him up. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like he's just going to tear him down, take him down, pound him out, ride him. You know, Daniel is just too fucking good of a wrestler. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's only lost to one guy, and that's because that guy's a better wrestler than he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, also a uh, quick note about this, the co-main event. You know, it was supposed to be Chris Weidman and Luke Rockholt. Rockholt's out with an injury. Now Weidman is going to get Jacare Sousa on uh, short notice. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I like want to see Weidman fight? make it back. I've always yeah. been a big fan of Weidman. I've always yeah. thought he was one of the best middleweights in the world. He just, uh, you know, after his loss to uh, uh, Rockholt, uh, he seemed to have just kind of, you know, hit some bumps, which that happens in MMA. I mean, due to injuries and, and sometimes it's a lack of inspiration for wanting to be back in the gym. And, mm-hmm. you know, when we first start fighting, everybody does it because we want to, right? And then after a while, you get paid so much money at it that all of a sudden you're like, eh, I'd rather go do this right now. And you're like, uh, fuck you do. You got mm-hmm. a wife and kids now or a husband and children or whatever it is nowadays. Yeah. And your ass doesn't get a choice. You better fucking go fight while you can. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, you'll see guys that when they're fighting for just money, there's just a little bit less in them, you know, and just, mm-hmm. eh, shit happens. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, hopefully it, it comes back. So, you know, I think that, you know, uh, Weidman, I've always been very impressed with. I think he has well-rounded abilities. You know, and, and, and again, luck sometimes just seems to not be in his favor. You know, that weird stoppage with uh, um, the current middleweight champ from Bellator. With, what are we talking about? Uh, who's the middleweight champ from Bellator? 
with uh, who is the middleweight champ from Bellator? He just fought Roy. Oh, McDonald. oh, 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 oh! I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Musasi. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm to, I was, I was thinking welterweight, and I was about okay. Yes, yes. Middle, so middle you're right. You're right. He I was, said middle, didn't I? Yeah, you did. No, he was winning the fight with. With Musasi, yeah, well, he was weird in there, stoppage. But, but it was a weird stoppage, like you said, yeah. you know, because it was knees on the ground, his hands were down, not, yeah. and the, re- the the corner stopped, or the, you know, the doctor stopped it, you know, and, and yeah. you could see the frustration from Weidman, and then in the fight with uh, with uh, uh, the Cuban, oh, with the Romero, thank you, Joel Romero, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in ten years from now, I'm just gonna have to fucking have cue cards, <laughs> shit. Brain damage is a motherfucker. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Romero, yeah. if I remember correctly in that fight, he was pitching a shutout. Yeah. I think it was – I had it two rounds to nothing, and he was running away with you the third what? round. You know when I said he was winning the fight, that's the fight I was yeah. thinking about. So that fight yeah, he was that's kicking right. – That's what I, mean, I was thinking about. Not yeah. kicking Romero's ass, but, I mean, he took yes. down a silver medalist in the Olympics. Yeah. I mean, I know it's fighting. It's a little bit different, you know, but he still took him down. Right. You know what I mean, and, and controlled him. And I think he took him down a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I never seen anybody else in MMA take Romero down that yeah. I can recall off the top of my head. So, I mean, you know, and then in that fight, that knee, he just ducked at the wrong time. Romero mm-hmm. timed him just right. And it's like, fuck, man, that sucks, to, you know, to be winning all but one second of a three-round yeah. fight. Yeah. Any any challenges facing Jacare uh, on short notice that he wouldn't have faced with uh, Rockholt? Uh, well, I think Jacare is better at jiu-jitsu, obviously, than Rockholt. Yeah. He's more athletic. But Rockhold has a good striking, good stand-up, and great wrestler, and he's also very good at jiu-jitsu also. Um, I think that in a – yeah, I don't know, a very similar type of uh, opponent, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rockhold's a little bit of a striker, more technical, you know, and probably, you know, uh, Jack Array, though, you know, you just got to give him that he has a jiu-jitsu edge. Mm-hmm. Not, but we don't see it a lot in his fights. Yeah. But, I mean, Weidman's a black belt under Henzo, so yep. he's a legitimate black belt, too. So Well, fortunately, Weidman was able to stay on the card, and uh, that's going to be a... That's going to be a good main co-main combo. All right. Thanks for being a part of this one, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Frank will conclude by telling you the importance of the Amazon banner on the front of phoneboothfighting.com, especially, Frank, as the holiday season approaches. Uh, I'm going to go on Amazon. I'm going to buy a bunch of Christmas presents. I'm going to buy a bunch of Hanukkah presents. Why on earth, as a Phone Booth Fighting listener, would I want to go to phoneboothfighting.com first to click through the Amazon banner to do that shopping? Well, it's a very effortless on your part and by doing so all the things you purchase at that time Mm -hmm. a small percentage at no extra cost to you will actually come to here at the show that we can use and we appreciate you doing that another thing you can do to uh help us out that will be uh uh, not cost you anything go to itunes look up phone booth fighting certainly subscribe if you're not already a subscriber but uh, even if you are click on the five stars give us a five star review i see you guys doing that out there and we appreciate you doing it keeps us uh uh, up in the rankings and the ratings and you can also write a favorable review just a line or two in the comment section will help us out as well frank tell them how to follow us on social media facebook and instagram it's phone booth fighting snapchat and twitter just phone booth fight that's it all right we're off to la uh for uh, if you're if you're around doomies this weekend look for us frank will be the guy ordering the two big macs and no. uh oh wait you're in training camp yeah one big mac one big Mac. You can have one. Yeah. One Big Mac, one order of animal-style fries. I'm going to hold you to that. All right. Okay. Sorry. Maybe no fries and just two Big Macs. No. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll work out the deal. 
when uh, we get negotiate there. negotiate this. Yeah, look for us around I'll trade you uh, my... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll trade you my Demetrius Johnson <laughs> for your uh, Ben Askren-style fries. All right, uh, look for us around Doomies this weekend. For Frank Mir, I'm Richard Hunter. We'll see you right back here next week on Phone Booth Fighting. Everybody was Kung Fu Fighting.